0: A switch, yeah, my newfound hero in the enemy's did, yeah Well, somebody, something was left in the room And now that it's gone, well, of course we are sold. Somebody else needed something so bad They took everything somebody else time you look around Well it all it all just seems to change The mark was left and it's never the same next time that you shoot, make sure that you aim Open windows with passing cars, A brand new night with the same old stars. Losing hope is easy when your only friend is gone, and every time you look around, we we'll live. of the pie Make a fool of his system Make a fool of his mind Give him bottles of lies And maybe he'll find His place in heaven Cause he might just die When your only friend Is gone And every time You look around Well it all It all just seems To change But hanging on Is easy When you've got A friend to call When nothing's making Sense at all You're not the only one who's afraid of change
1: howdy friends welcome to another thrilling episode of the hobo safe camp virtual campfire oh man this has been quite the journey um, and I'm, I'm realizing that once again another week I'm not prepared with the date that this originally broadcast but it'll just take a minute I'll just talk for a minute and we'll get there a lot of things going on at open lines radio first of all my name is mark I'll be your camp host for this little journey, this. Hello, fellow Astro fellow spiritual vagabonds. <laughs> I'm so happy you found us. That's <laughs> not what I wanted to happen. All right, that was the old one. I'm trying to find the date that I original that this originally aired. Let's see, what's what uh, what's new with Open Lines Radio? We have a new show called um, Wrinkles in the ether and that is where you can go out you can record your voice you could do you could say whatever you want to say we'll put it on the air that's for you we also were looking for people to do shows weekly shows one hour or so a week Um, get your voice out there become part of this open lines conversation you can tell that Things are starting to take off. The vibe around Open Lines Radio has been a little weird. Um, It's mostly to do, I believe, with uh, the full moon that we're experiencing. And not so much here at Open Lines. I mean, we're having just the usual technical uh, bullshit we always have, because mostly because I'm inept and unprepared. (laughs) But but there's a lot of uh, hot energy right now in the world. Uh, A lot of hot energy coming at us. Um, for doing what we're doing, for trying to um, heal the world through voice therapy. That's how you know it's working. When people start getting mad at the way you're doing things, (laughs) that's how you know it's working. That's just part of it anger is part of the conversation it's the part of your way to change it's your part of the way to transmutation i'm stealing that from somebody that put it into my comments today you're right anger is part of it but anger is something that needs to be overcome anger is not supposed to be the thing anger is is a triggered emotion inside you and if that emotion gets triggered inside of you it might be you that needs to do the healing it might be you that needs to be a little bit more accepting. Yeah, I know, there's outrages in the world, and those are things that we're all outraged against. But don't expect somebody to acknowledge or appreciate your opinion if you don't appreciate and acknowledge their opinion as well. You can't. No one ever solved anything by arguing. Really, it never happened. Nobody, no one ever changed somebody's mind by raising their voice and telling them what a piece of shit they were. Never happened. Never once. In fact, usually, what you what you when you raise your voice in opposition of, of somebody and you tell them they're a piece of shit for thinking what they believe, usually it has the opposite effect. Usually, it pushes them deeper into their, their beliefs. They dig in and they dig in deeper. It's just uh, human nature. So think about the way you approach things. Think about think about kindness. Think about showing kindness. Now that doesn't mean you have to accept the atrocities of the world. It just means you need to respect human beings as human beings. You have to. It's that golden rule that that Christ taught. You can't expect others to treat you with kindness if you're not willing to treat others with kindness. So how wars happen? You probably shouldn't even be broadcasting during the periods of the full moon. People are fucking nuts but we're going to. We're going to push through because that's what we do here. So we're going to lighten things up today. This is a nice, this is a beautiful virtual campfire with some beautiful people. It originally aired January 18th, 2017. Look, I found it. (laughs) It features Michelle, Deborah, Joel, and Angie. And they're going to talk to us about, it's really actually pretty crazy how this particular episode of the virtual campfire fits into the conversation right now. It's going to actually, if you've been following along to the conversation, and if you haven't been, I recommend that you go back. Go back to the beginning. Maybe not all the way to the beginning. Go back a month or so. Listen to the conversation taking place here on Open Lines Radio, one uninterrupted voice at a time. And let the emotions that come up as you're hearing people sit inside of you, (laughs) figure out where that's coming from, and continue to listen to the conversation, and you're going to be blown away when you hear right now how this thing that was recorded a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, fits in right now. So relevant right now. We all just need to chill the fuck out. And, and now that you've brought yourself up to here and you've heard the conversation, it's time to add your voice to the conversation. Instead of complaining about the conversation, Open Lines Radio will grant you a voice in the conversation. You just have to do it. That part's 100% on you. Do it. All of us here at Open Lines Radio are doing it. We're putting our energy and time and love and dedication into this project, and we're doing it. And we would love for you to do it with us. So I'm going to let, I'm going to stop for now. This is a long episode of the virtual campfire. Listen to the damn thing. It's good. Pick up your end of the universal tin can telephone, hold it up to your ear and let love beam through Michelle, Deborah, Joel. Angie, ramble on.
2: I'm just a rambling hobo. I ramble all alone.
3: I'm
2: just a rambling hobo. I ramble all alone. Ain't got no one to love me. No place to call my home.
1: All right, we're going to start off today talking to Michelle Capture. Michelle is an energy reader and a healer, a psychic intuitive and a Reiki master teacher. And she's also really, really cool. Check out her website at MichelleCapture.com. That's Capture with a K, And follow her on Instagram at Michelle Capture. Uh, she's going to talk about a program. You're going to hear her talk about a program that she said came out today. Uh, we recorded this a week ago. So it's already been in place for a week. So head over to her website as soon as we're done, as soon as you're done listening, and sign up because you don't want to miss anything. Uh, Michelle, kick us off. What
4: is that like, uh, you know, um, all the demons, right, are born from the quiet, the boredom. There's that saying, I don't remember if it's Joseph Campbell or who has it, but somebody says, and it's true, you you know, you let your demons kind of take over if you don't just stay present and stay with What's in front of you, and you know, be okay with whatever's showing up or not showing up. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. This is, I need this yeah. today because that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of in this little slow period. I've got a lot of uh, irons and a lot of fires, and I'm just waiting for the stars to align <laughs> for everything. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. but I'm just really trying to not tinker with things too much.
4: I agree. And, and, and you know, I had a really slow holiday season, which I expected, but truthfully, it slowed down about a week and a half two weeks earlier than normal. And I just got it in that time period. I spent a lot of time with my husband and my children, my family, you know, Christmas. Um, but just a lot of time of like, okay, so how do I want to move forward? And, you know, in this next year, and I, I ease and joy were the two words that kept coming to me. And so I've just really embraced that. And all of a sudden, just like literally in the last few days, things are showing up. I mean, including even just getting to do, potentially do a podcast with you. It was like, I just said, Mark to universe, I want to do some podcasts next year. It's time <laughs> for me to get out there more. And when I saw yours, I was like, no way. I'm like, and I love you. And I just thought it'd be great. So if it was going to be a great fit, then wonderful. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah.
1: Of yeah, course it's so going to be a good fit. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you never know, you
1: know, but Yeah. So what's uh <laughs> So uh, I want, I need some wisdom from you. I, I, we need a, the, the roles are reversed. I, I helped you out uh, a few weeks ago with the reading, and now I, now, now I need some, uh, I need some lifting up. I'm sure a lot of other people need some lifting up. What, uh, what, what words of wisdom do you have?
4: <laughs> oh no!
1: <laughs> I'm gonna put Don't you worry. on the spot.
4: You are no, I, I, you know, it's funny. I reflected the moment I saw your post. This story popped into my mind. This event that happened to me. And going back, it's actually about 10 years ago, but, um, it was a total game changer, life changer for me. And so I went through a really difficult divorce, very traumatic, um, started in like, you know, mid 2002, took a couple years. And, um, I went and it was very difficult. Um, financially it was a major life changer for me and, I had a lot of anger. You know, I had a lot of anger coming up. Everything felt so unfair and so harsh. And, um, so then I went through my coaching training program. I have my master's degree in counseling, which I got in my early twenties, which was almost 25 years ago. And, um, I went through a coaching training program and there was that, you know, the thing going around of, you know, you can choose, you can always choose how you react. And, it infuriated me because I'm like, you know what? I, I don't agree with that. I You can't always choose. You know, these, these moments of anger and emotion, they just flare up and I, I can't control them. And this was a really difficult thing for me for a long time. And so I kind of like, you know, took the information, but I was just like, yeah, whatever. And every time somebody would say, well, you know, it's a choice. It's a choice. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and I was really... You know, I was just really in my own ego, my own resistance and my own pain around it, too, because I didn't feel like I was in control. So therefore, of course, I felt very powerless to change it. So all of that going on. So fast forward, I was um, teaching yoga at the time and practicing yoga. Like so I was basically immersed in yoga and meditation like seven days a week. And I come home one day. My kids are at school and I have like an hour or so before I have to go get them. And. My cleaning people had been there that day, and I go upstairs to take a shower, and I get in the shower, and oh, I think I still have my yoga clothes on and my flip-flops, and I see that one of the shower doors is off track, okay, and these are glass doors, okay. right? So I step in the shower, and I, I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta fix that shower door. So, you know, you just have to lift it up and put it back on the mm-hmm. track, right? Okay, so I get in there, right, and I lift up the door, and I'm not kidding you, Mark, I have no idea how this happened. The door fell, the entire glass, all the glass completely shattered. Oh man. I mean, like all the way, the entire thing like blew out shattered and all of a sudden in a moment, I am standing there in a shower full of glass and it shattered me awake. I mean, the metaphors are so heavy, so amazing. Okay? So what, what Thank you for asking, I was fine. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? I did not get cut by any. I'm trying, of glass. I'm trying to
1: visualize Am i supposed to be visualizing you covered in blood or were you just standing right? yeah. there cover, covered in glass? Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and I was rushed to the hospital and that's the end of this story. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like, yeah, that's pretty profound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so imagine like a shower tub. Yeah. Filled with glass yeah. everywhere. And it was such a shocker. It was such a shocker to my system and so unexpected. But it it, you know, hence the, it shattered me awake. And I had this moment where time stood still. And what I call now, 10 years later, kind of the no space, you know, this no space of pure awareness of Michelle, this is your moment to choose right now, how you want to react to this. And I I stood there just like, wow, you know, I was really, truly amazed. And previously to that, To be perfectly honest, what I would have done is just started screaming every swear word with an F-bomb in between every single one of like, are you kidding me? And looking at the universe like, are you kidding me? No way did you just do this to me, right? And instead, I just went, oh, my God, this is the power to choose. This is the moment. And it, it changed my whole life. And then I stood there and I went, okay, I don't have to get upset. I can clean up the shower and everything's going to be all right. And I tiptoed out of that shower as carefully as I could. So I said there was glass everywhere. And it was, like I said, it was a life changing game changer moment. Um, yes, we really do have the power to choose. We really are in control of our reactions. And ever since that moment, that was what really started me on a whole new path of choosing how I feel and choosing how I react to life and situations. Um, so it was an incredible experience. Yeah, you know? I
1: love that story. I love, I yeah. love how you can, uh, you know, cause you do, you hear it all the time. You can choose and it's like, yeah, yeah. But then when right. you actually can, you know, there's those moments where it's like, Oh, you, it's, you can choose your reaction and not freak out.
4: You can. And, um, you know, but there's those times when, like you said, when you feel like you can't, and I, like I said, I we get so irritated, but, you know, anyway, it was so like I said, it was so um, life shattering uh, in so many ways. And, you know, really, the metaphor, like I said, was amazing. I mean, at one point I afterward, I was like, OK, you know what, you guys, that's what I call my spirit team and my spirit guys there. are you guys, you guys, <laughs> that was actually really freaking amazing how you just completely did that, because to this day, as I tell you the story, I'm like, I have no idea how that shower door, how it slipped out yeah, of my hands. How it did that. Yeah. Yeah. And how the impact on so many levels was huge. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. so awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, so now you, 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 I mean, you, you, you're, we're human. So of course there's always those times where you slip and you have to, and you, and you, you let the expletives fly, but, but like, like put that into like terms of like relationship, you know, and even like family relationships and friendships where, where people do dumb things and you can choose to react, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to always.
4: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and if have, I lost my temper since then. Yeah. But it's been much further and fewer between farther between, Uh, you know, I am a mother, you know, I'm a (laughs) wife, I'm a mother. I have three kids and parenthood has been my biggest relationship assignment of growth in this lifetime. I think. Um, but I was able to start saying to my children or my husband or whoever, you know what? I'm starting to get angry. That's really starting to upset me. You're starting to piss me off. And if you don't want me to, you know, I don't want to lose my temper and I know you don't want me to lose my temper. So you just need to knock it off right now. And so communication, I'm hearing my guides, my higher self say communication is the key always to every relation, to all of relationship, right? Communication, honest with ourselves and with others, Um, and I'm a big talker, as you might see. I'm a big talker. I love to talk things out. Um, I'm, you know, really in touch with my own emotions. So I'm very aware I'm a pretty intense person energetically as well. So because I'm very empathic and very feeling. So um, for me, it's just really important to just always communicate, like, you know, I didn't like that, or that bothered me, or that hurt my feelings. And that's what paved the way. I mean, that whole thing really paved the way for that now. And I have a really amazing relationship with my husband and my children. Awesome. And um, it's all based on, yeah, open communication. You know, tell me how you feel. You don't have to get upset. Like, my son is 15, and he was just watching a Raider game, like, not too long ago. And they're, like, having their best season ever. Yeah, right? so, yeah. well, they were. I'm a Raider fan. Yeah. And they were losing. And he started to kind of fly off the handle. And I looked at him, I'm like, you know what? You don't need to do that. And after a few minutes, like he was resisting kind of the way I used to. Exactly. And it was actually kind of an old mirror. It was interesting to watch. Um, And actually, we kind of got in a fight about it, to be honest. And I said, (laughs) you know what, if you can't deal with this and not disturb the entire household, um, you can't watch it. You're not gonna be able to watch this at home. And, you know, so he kind of skulked off. And actually, I think the Raiders pulled it off and actually won that game in the last minute. And he came back to me afterwards and you know, he's 15 and a half and he was like, you know what, mom, you're right. And I'm like, right. Cause who, who was the most upset? He's like, me. And I'm like, yeah. And how did that feel? He's like, yeah, not so good. I'm like, right. And that's where you get to choose how you feel based on how you react and relate right, and communicate. Right. I
1: like something you said earlier too, where you said, uh, being honest with yourself. Cause I think yeah. that's a huge part of communication is, is, uh, in, in not, um, you know, a lot, I think a lot of times we deceive ourselves, we we, we let ourselves kind of go along with a way of thinking, even when we, you know, just to, when we know we're wrong, but we don't want to admit some things, you know, we kind of, totally. we, we kind of like, uh, it, it is about being honest with yourself. And I think when you can do that, that's when you can kind of let some of the crap the other people do to you go. Yeah. When you, when you let, when you can see what you do to yourself. <laughs> it's probably Yeah. The worst.
4: And when you take responsibility for it, too, you know, when we all take personal responsibility for our stuff, um, then we also get to be in charge of our reactions. You know, it's kind of the same thing, like taking responsibility for our stuff and then realizing that other people may be reacting to us, but then we don't have to react back. Right. So you're like, yeah, you know, actually, I own that. I, I guess I did say it in that tone. I guess I didn't say that in the best way or not. I guess I didn't say that in the best way. I could have delivered that information better. Um, so I think all those things kind of combine, like the personal responsibility and the honest and open communication really open the pathway for a lot of healing and, you know, a lot of feeling better all the way around for yourself and the people that you're in relationship with.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I yeah. want to, and this might be coming out of, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to just start throwing questions at you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't awesome. mean to put you on the spot, but, <laughs> okay. but, <laughs> I'm just thinking as you're talking, things are coming to my head. What would you say to to somebody who is, um, who maybe feels like they've been slighted by somebody, and they want to move on, and they want to you know forgive and move on, but like this person refuses to kind of acknowledge what they've done, and like if they do give you an apology, it's always followed by a but. You know, I'm sorry, right. but. this was happening to me, you know, never kind of when other people don't quite own it, how do you, how do you move on from a relationship like that, where you want to just like, look, I want to just like move on from this, but the other person won't own up.
4: Yeah. And I think that's a tough one. And I've had that personal experience, um, quite a bit in my life. And I really, and, and this is one of those things that may sound easier than, than said, you know, to do, um, you really just have to accept that that person is not in the place of accepting personal responsibility for themselves yet and owning their own stuff. And so if you're in that place where you are and you're ready to move on, then it's really about releasing them with love and kind of releasing them to their higher self, their path, their journey, their learning, and and letting go. And you know, and I think anytime you start to think, you know, negative thoughts about them or you start to feel angry back at them, well, they didn't. You just I have this little process that I tell people, my clients, and it really works. Uh stop, delete, restate. So you just Hmm. stop what you're thinking. Yeah. Stop, delete, restate. You know what? Stop. Okay, you know what? I delete any negativity that I was just thinking about that person or myself. And what I want is to release that person with love. You know, or what I want is, you know, what and you just restate it in the positive.
1: Yeah, I like that. That brings that kind of brings that the empathy back into it.
4: Yes. Because you know what? We are all human. And the truth is, if we could all kind of step back and take the bird's eye view, the soul perspective, that person is still struggling. They're still suffering. They're still kind of, you know, miring you know, kind of in their own baloney. And so send them love, send them compassion, send them light and move on and say, you know, I'm sorry, but I guess we can't be in relationship right now. Like I said, I know easier said than done. These are all things that, you know, we all have to kind of keep learning ourselves and uh, repetition seems to work well, you know? Yeah.
1: No, I know. I know. I, yeah. I, I know what you're and, it, and the reason I think it's easier said than done is usually because the other person doesn't understand it. They don't understand why right. you're having to kind of move on without them because they don't want to acknowledge kind of like their part in something.
4: I agree. And oftentimes what they'll do in defense, right. Is they'll turn it around and blame you. Right. And then you're the problem, you right. You kind of become exactly. Yeah. And, and you just have to really kind of uh, shield yourself a little bit from that you know you can kind of put that plexiglass between you two and let that that bounce back off of you and so you don't have to take it in and you just say yeah I understand or you know I don't and if you're not actually in communication with them about it then you just do it yourself if you actually are you know you have to be able to say you know I just don't think we're aligned right now and I send you love and wish you well but I just don't think we can be in a relationship you know yeah yeah. I like that. It's not always easy, no,
1: but, you know. It's never easy.
4: <laughs> I know. I know. Come on. This experience can really be a booty kicker. You know? It's always a booty
1: kicker. <laughs>
4: uh, but but I've that's had my booty the thing.
1: Once, once you realize that, once you realize you're always going to get your ass kicked, then you can kind of, yeah. like, it's not, doesn't, it doesn't feel so personal.
4: You know what? And I love that because it's so true. It really isn't. You know, it really is not personal. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, it's our growth, but right. But we're like, okay, this is actually supposed to be helping me, you know. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of your clients, what? Uh, how? Why don't you talk a little bit about what you do and how you help people and how people can get in touch with you? Oh, I
4: love it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm kind of a, a psychic life coach and an energy healer, all wrapped in one. Um, I have training in all of those areas, and um, so I have my master's in counseling, life coaching, yoga teacher, Reiki master teacher. Um, so I'm an intuitive as well, like you. I'm a clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, and work with people's spirit guides and other celestial beings that will come in, like the archangels and Mother Mary, and different people. Um, and so people, uh, I do some coaching and intuitive work and energy healing. I kind of combine it all at once and kind of read people's energy, read the situations that they're in, give them the information that I'm hearing and sensing and feeling, and then I combine the energy work to help clear, you know, anything that's kind of still stuck in them that's, you know, informing them like heartbreak is a big one that I tend to work with a lot, helping people kind of heal their hearts so they can move on. And, um, yeah, so I have a website. It's Michelle So yeah, Michelle capture capture with a K and I'm on Instagram, Facebook.
1: You have, maybe this is, maybe this is premature. You have a couple yeah. courses that you've developed that are coming out soon. Uh,
4: well, yeah, I, I love it. Yes, so I have one that just was released today.
1: Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah,
4: so awesome timing. Um, that one's called the Capture Healing Circle, and it's a monthly membership. But you, I, I always say this to you: I'm like, you can cancel at any time. I really, I really like to work with an integrity. I'm not out to take anybody's money, you know, right. and not be of service if it's not really helping them. That really is my goal. And so, um, this month it, it was a, it's a pre-recorded audio, you know, audio download. Um, and, uh, it's $12 a month. You get the audio. It, you get a monthly Facebook live event with me, which you can ask any questions about your spiritual journey or angels or guides or anything kind of along that line. And you get a discount on, uh, one-on-one sessions with me. So that I just released my the first audio went out today. It was an activation that was channeled, you know, through me with um Archangel Metatron using Sacred Geometry. So it was pretty oh cool. Yeah, I loved it. And so that's a monthly thing. And then I'm also working on a little bit more of a more extensive, like six week um program that uh that that is still in the works. So um that's not ready okay. yet, but that's, that's so that's TV, yeah. that's uh to be to be announced. To be announced.
1: Yeah. All right, well we'll be waiting exactly. for it.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. All right, it's be cool.
1: right, on, yeah. right on. This This uh, was a very quick 20 minutes.
4: I know it really was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I uh. Well, you're I. I like to talk. You like to talk. So yeah, <laughs> <It's> yeah. <fun. laughs> no, it was
1: fun. Do you have anything um that you before we uh I, you know I want to give you you know I don't want to run the whole thing. If you have something you want to say or. Um, any, any message you want to get out there to the people?
4: I know. Right. You know, I think my, one of my biggest messages is to really love who you are, you know, really, really self-love, self-worth, really love who you are and step into your power and, you know, go for the life you want, learn how to be happy. Life is hard enough. As we already said, life, life can be tough and, um, emotional healing is something I really believe in. Um, so if you feel good about who you are, life is just a lot sweeter, you know,
1: for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Well, you know, you sound great. You sound like you're in a good mood. You sound like things are going well. Um, I'm going to try to, um, ride your vibe going into the new year. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Please do. uh, Yeah. And awesome. Next, we're going to talk to Deborah Mars, Deborah's working on a new line of jewelry. It's called Venus by Mars, and she's going to be kicking off a new website. She's going to be launching that whole product line in a few weeks. So she's going to come back, and we're going to talk more in detail about that once it's launched. So uh, be prepared to listen to her again because she's really freaking cool. But, but I wanted to talk to her today. The reason I asked her to come to the virtual campfire is because if you listened last week, you heard that one of the common themes was having to find spirituality kind of in spite of religion. And it seems like a lot of us, including myself, have had to shed our religion in order to find spiritual peace. But Deborah, she grew up in a staunch atheist household and had to find spirituality through a very different path. And I just wanted her to tell that story uh, so we can kind of get a different perspective. And it just goes to show you how many different people from all different walks of life are all meeting up here in the ethers. And it's such a beautiful thing. Deborah, take it away.
5: I had people wanting me to do half million dollar diamond redos for them and all kinds of security risks and right, right. but um, I can tell you um, that I've just been a you know spiritual being since I was very little and uh, very very blessed to, to be born into a family of atheists
1: ah, and- so there, there's a unique background
5: there. Yeah, well, you know, my mother is a, a scientist, organic chemist. My dad was a scientist who began, uh, was disillusioned by someone, in quotes, owning his brain and his knowledge because he was under contract to the company he worked for, and he became an architect and designer. But um, I just, it, they were brilliant and talented and creative, and I, you know, grew up in the sort of New York intelligentsia set, but also extremely neurotic and volatile <laughs> people, so, you know, I just, you know, it seemed like a better thing to do to be out of my body and kind of exploring the universe or the neighborhood or even my, my, uh, my toy box, right? <laughs> Now,
1: were your parents? You say they're atheists, but were they like like staunch atheists, or was there a spiritual side there staunch too? Staunch
5: atheists, and when I told them that I knew that there was more, and I saw things, and I felt things, I'd actually be severely punished and locked in my room. Jeez. Oh, yeah, and my father used to um, actually quote Karl Marx and said, you know, that religion's the opiate of the masses, and he said, you know, I can't believe that I am, you know, a brilliant man, and I can't believe that my, I thought, intelligent daughter uh, <laughs> needs to rely on fairy tales to get through the day. So,
1: anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, no, but so, yeah, so there was, that was kind of a, it's, I mean, everybody comes to, like, the, their spirituality in different ways. Mm-hmm. Some people have to go through religion
5: and, right. to get there. And, and- What's so cool is that spirituality was totally my own discovery and um, just some interesting experiences uh, that my past lives have always been very, very close to me. Um, um, I think you might find it interesting that when I was three, my, uh, I was at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And of course I was a very well-behaved child because Things were scary enough. One right. didn't make mistakes that uh, I tried to break in uh, the window of an exhibit. There was this um, turtle cosmetic case that was open in in the Egyptian exhibit. And I knew it was mine. And I at three and I was trying to break in, you know, to get it because it was clearly mine and I could see myself using it. You know, a wow. little girl never put on makeup, but I saw myself applying the kohl and the whole thing, and boy, they—you know—the guard had to pull me away. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but that's just like the first thing, and and I tried to explain it to my parents that it was mine, and then a few years later, they had um, a project at school that we were supposed to do life masks with plaster and then you're supposed to paint it to look like yourself. Well, I used black yarn and I did drew the eyes, you know, uh-huh. like, and everything. And they're like, you're supposed to make it look like you. And I said, that is that's me. me. <laughs> anyway, that's a little. A I wonder little if different.
1: you were recreating your own death mask.
5: Uh, could be. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. That's a really, you know what? That's a really great thought. But anyway, um, Exploring reality and figuring out the true nature of reality because I had parents who felt that they were doing that, but we went in very different directions, Right. you know?
3: Right.
5: So.
1: So how did you get to, so that was very, very young. How, what, what led you, like, what experiences have you had that have like recently that have like.
5: Uh, well, uh, a little bit further on one thing that was very Um, A big thing for me is that age 14, some people from the Maharishi, you know, from Transcendental Meditation came to my high school and I immediately was hooked on meditation and yoga starting at 14. 14. And um, what's I was a stockbroker and investment banker on Wall Street and tried various things to earn and do things in a corporate sense. But um, I started studying with a lot of different uh, teachers, Um, someone um, I apprenticed to, who was actually the person that wrote in the Bush speech, she wrote those words, um, points of light. Oh, really? She she was the person, I went to the White House with her. (laughs) Pardon me?
1: The thousand points of light.
5: Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He wrote that for the speechwriter of Bush. And I actually went, and I don't want to give the name and such, but I went and visited with her at the White House. Cool. She And, and I apprenticed with her, and I've studied so many different types of things. And the jewelry, which ended up being a business for a, quite a long time, and really ended up my doing making talismans to support people's life paths and what was necessary for them. But I kept getting caught up in needing to earn a lot of money.
3: Right.
5: And it took a lot out of me. And um, I just decided, I saw that there's a way that you can get back to your roots. And I just went from full time to part time with this gallery and and really been developing, um, going back to, to, to making Jewelry, uh, the Venus by Mars, things that are beautiful, but make, enhance the wearer. And um, just refining my own truth because um, I think, you know, the whole economic upheaval was a difficult time, but a blessing because we have to go back and find out, you know, where our truth really lies. Right. Um, you know, I'm used to having a family that's not supportive of my path. I'm surrounded by Harvard lawyers and (laughs) all kinds of things. And And they all think uh, you're nuts. Uh, yeah. Or did
1: they come to accept you at this point?
5: Well, my family does. and, And my, well, the only people, my father died young of, um, emphysema from smoking and whatnot and by the way what kind of derailed me and I would have been further along is in October November I was in a dust storm and whatnot and I couldn't breathe and I found out that apparently sand is my nicotine that I do not handle Oh no. Uh, yeah so I moved and I've just resorted but it's all a blessing because that gave me the impetus of 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 working part time, but you know my uh, I'm part the Mars part actually is the name change, but it's Russian aristocracy. I'm a quarter Russian aristocracy, okay. and they um, my great grand great great grandfather designed jewel uh, pieces and, and found special gems for the czar. Cool and. And my great-grandfather emigrated to the United States when things were kind of going south and changed the family name to Mars as sort of a protection thing. Uh But I just, I feel that, you know, I am very aligned with all of that. And um, I should say that one of the things that really touched me is when I started my Instagram. It was Holly that initially, you know, connected with me, uh-huh. and I just loved. I thought, oh my gosh, I can get back into, you know, doing all my sage and everything because I was really just sort of selling art in a more corporate sense. Right. And, you know, Fallbrook and Pala International, the 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 um, mines and things there, uh-huh. had been my suppliers for years. Really. I just wanted to say with you that that was kind of an interesting thing because some of my most magical moments and just as I realized I didn't want to be doing any more of doing these, you know, for the high flutes, as they say, big, you know, let's out glitter ourselves because that was so far from where I was coming from, even though I could do beautiful designs that it was reminding me the real power and the beauty of the gems and, and the feelings. And if I could, I just thought, because I've always done my best to sneak in meaning and, and expand. And I do this um, with people at the gallery too. I wrote at the, um, this was, that came with all of my jewelry for Barney's New York and Nordstrom and my special things Um, It says, uh, this is my quote, the ancients considered metals, stones, and sacred symbols alive in their ability to bestow certain properties upon the wearer. I consider myself a jewelry designer and alchemist as I choose my precious metals, gems, and symbols, not only for their richness and beauty, but their power to lift the spirit and enhance the well-being of the wearer. And that's very cool. Pretty I much. I, I've always been trying to sneak some special knowledge, just like I would with my family. Right. <laughs> and um, I know that I'm a star being a star seed. And I do know that I, I, I have a lot of memories of past lives um, that I came, you know, tens of thousands of years ago and it to help elevate humans uh, to help with communication and the arts and whatnot. And one of the most very, very, very basic things that, that makes us human is this need to, to enhance um, with symbols and with, with beads and with shells and whatnot our person, what we wear, and our environment. And this is the way I, I see art and about jewelry and about the meaning that it's all about what makes us human and elevates our life and and even the most basic basic humans somehow understood that feeling of enhancement and protection and being able to connect with the oneness and the power through those things yeah so that's
1: beautiful it's beautifully put it's
5: That's really who I'm about, really, from thousands of years
1: ago. Joel Young has developed a program called Non-Personal Awareness, or NPA. Now, take a listen to what Joel has to say. But once this is over, definitely go check out his website. It's www.joelyungnpa.com. You can also find him on Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope as Joel NPA, all one word. Joel ran some NPA on me after we stopped recording the other day, and I have to tell you, it has really changed my perspective. I actually feel like a new person. Um, I'm allowing so many more new opportunities to come flooding into my life, and it's all happened like once I was able to let go of some personal attachments. It's been simply amazing. I'm just completely blown away. Um, you got to check this guy out. So here he is,
2: Joel Young. Tell us how it is, man
1: want to get personal with non-personal
2: awareness well that's a perfect place to start because non-personal awareness it's about having an awareness of the self and beyond the self and um, it's really because I think we've been through a time where necessarily we've gone from this sort of external authority kind of idea um, to a massively internal authority space and it's all become about personal power and you know I create my own reality and all those kind of things which is all well and good um, but actually, I think it's time to have our sort of Copernicus moment where we realize that we're not the center of the universe, part of something much bigger. And so sort of the, the non-personal awareness philosophy, we like, it's about understanding that there's, um, you know, th- what is my place in that, in that bigness that, um, I have my personal perspective, but it's, it kind of comes as born out of a, a bigger energy, really. <laughs> right. So but <clears throat> that's the kind of philosophy where most people meet MPA. I talk about the MPA process is Is it's a simple six-line spoken word process. Most of what I do is the, the magic that happens through me is through the power of the word. It's a spoken word process. And um, it basically helps people in a very short space of time not take things personally. Um, and the interesting thing about it is that uh, when I first, it sort of, it, just tell you how it came about, really, I was, I was literally sat in a coffee shop. Um, at that time, I'd been teaching, I've been teaching all around the world for somebody else, uh, in with a very emotional, come spiritual, come dig through your history kind of process called the journey. Um, I was kind of at the top of my game. I'd, you know, i in the in the extreme sport of spiritual and personal growth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'd, I'd got me medals. I'd made it. Everything was kind of cool. Um, and I was in a coffee shop just journaling, and uh, a prayer literally was born through me. It was like, okay, God, um, if there's something specific that wants to be born through me uh, in service to humanity, I'm ready. Tell me now. Um and it, uh, I journal on my laptop. It sort of wrote out sort of, a, kind of, sort of like conversations with God style, and I was like, Whoa, that's an interesting prayer. What is <laughs> that? Because everything's great. <laughs> right, right. It just came out said, like in free writing, like you didn't even. No, no. It was like literally, literally. It was. I suppose it's born through me. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't sit down. I think I'm going to pray for my life. Right, right. <laughs> it was just like there it was there on the screen in front of me, um, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, fine, uh, all right, let it go." And then a week, later, literally a week to the day later, i sat in the coffee shop again. And the six lines I now call the MPA process popped out of me. I was journaling. I was angry with my now ex-wife, <laughs> and you know, it's like say these words in response to um, to what was going on. So I went through the six lines, and it was like um, it was like you know you know when there's kind of lots of snow on the on the bonnet of your car and. And it gets to that certain point and the, the icy bits and the, and the metal, and there's a, there's a point where it becomes water, uh-huh. uh, becomes frictionless and you get that, that sort of schwump effect. Right. And the whole, and a whole kind of, uh, continent of the snow kind of right, slides. Yeah. in a moment. Now I've been doing years of this sort of deep emotional work. The, the process that I was helping people with at the time was about going into childhood, emptying out all the emotional stuff, reworking the history, all the rest of it. And this issue that I was facing, uh, which I know would have been, a, you know, touch and go on a three-hour process in the space of 30 rec- seconds had that shawump effect. It just went. And I could feel in the energy. It was just gone. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it came with that kind of, this is the answer to your prayer. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. There will be the seven all over the world. <laughs> and then it's cool because you see it fly through the air and shatter on the road. Crash! It's all completely. Uh, But I was I was struck by it. um, But at the time, I looked at it through all my filters of all my previous training. Oh, it's probably because of the emotional aspect of it, because of this, because of that, the rest of it. But basically, that little process which blew my mind because there was no way you should be able to sort of clear that much energy, consciousness, stuck history, all the rest of it, in such a short space of time um and all my other stuff so it took me about 18 months because i'm an experiencer you know i can't teach something till i've kind of embodied it right um it took 18 months so i shared it with i did lots with myself i shared it with a few close friends the occasional um you know those clients you get that are sort of open to experimentation <laughs> right, right. <laughs> until i kind of get a sense of what it was and then it was it was at 2009 which is about 18 months later that i First started teaching it, and it kind of accelerated, and now it's in about 18 different countries, and I uh, got some teachers on board, and, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of things that have, that have happened that have really accelerated it. Wow, so, you've, so this isn't something that new. Like,
1: you, you, this has been – you've been doing this for a while, so, like, this is a proven – it's, you've been doing this for a few years now, right? Like a lot of years now, right?
2: Yeah, and it's ten years old on the fifth of okay, February. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like it's like you've worked out the bugs by this point. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome.
2: That's cool. I, I mean, it's something that there's just um, it's absolutely it's it's rewritten for me the um, my my whole approach to my spirituality to my personal growth. I think it comes, I think at that time, 2007, we were in a period where, um, there were a lot of new tools coming through to a lot of people that were a hell of a lot quicker and more expedient and didn't rely so much on some of the sort of more, um, or, or the older sort of evolutions of the original psychotherapy. So right. it's like, I, I think of them as technologies. And I just think my, I, I was like really fucking lucky. I put my hand in the stream at the right time, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I... well, yeah. I mean, well, that's. I mean, that's what everything is—is is, is recognizing that you're out, that you're in the right place at the right time, and and actually putting your hand in the stream. But I think, like, what you're what you're saying too. I mean, the the process, your process, is a technology. But I mean, the the technology and it's just technology, like modern technology, and the way that we're able to now access information. So, like, at like anything you think of, you can have. You can know everything about it that's ever been thought of in the palm of your hand. And so we are, as a species, evolving to take, to need that quicker pace. And so that's what I like about this is it's like, you know, like you're not going to lose it. You know, like I, I think a lot of the older methods, you don't quite ever get to the end and you don't quite get full release because – you just kind of like lose interest in it along the way. Why we, I mean, the MTV generation is is a real thing, like the, the attention span. Not not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that
2: we're processing information so much quicker. I, I think you're right. I mean, I sometimes sort of jokingly call it the iPhone for the soul, the MTV process. <laughs> you know, there it, you go. And it, and it is, but, it, but it is that. It's that whole thing, and it's like the, the technology itself, it seems simple on the surface, but there's but there's so much it enables you to do. And I think that again, it comes on the back of. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sort of. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm arrogant enough <laughs> to, to to think that it's not on the back of all of that previous stuff that's done. I mean, right, you, you don't get to advance in in technology of any kind unless you kind of work on the back of what's gone before. Right, and yet, things things sort of do, do evolve. And I sometimes think of it like, like the candle. And it's like, you know, some of the old processes. It's not, it doesn't make them invalid. I mean, a candle still produces light. Right. Know, it does it very right. effectively. You light and a little bit of heat. Um, and nowadays, you'll use a candle for a very different purpose. Exactly. You know, nowadays, you'll put candles out for romance, or when, when the power goes off. You know, you've got you've got a lighter, you've got a candle. Right. It's going to good job. And that doesn't diminish the importance of the candle in it in its no. time
1: before electricity. The candle was very, you know, it. That's the purpose it served was light. And so, like, it was in its, in its time very important. And so, like, it's, but now there are other ways to generate light more. I don't even, I don't, I don't, maybe it's not more efficiently, but, more, you know, quickly. And so, yeah, so, like, like you say, you just, it's just building, it's an evolution.
2: And so you have to kind of acknowledge the first. The infrastructure is in place that you can flick a switch, right? So right. it's all of the awakening and all of the, all of the, the inner work that, you know, um, enough of humanity has been doing it's put the infrastructure in place where you know you probably see it yourself with with the uh, younger kids and things that, that, that come along and, and uh, we've you know, people People my age, I think, I, don't know, I imagine I'm a little older than you, but uh, people my age, you know, we have that kind of older generation thing of, I strive through hell to get that awakening. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. You know, as you little upstart, you come along, you know, you're funny, you know. You come
1: along, you read a few memes, <laughs> and, and you think face, you've reached
2: enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> like that? How dare you come along and just get awakened in 45 seconds, thanks to my process, you know, <laughs> you know I'm against the crap out of it. But, uh, but that's the reality. It's like, I'm, but from that, you know, that then, then because that bit can be taken care of in a much more, um, efficient, swift, and, and nevertheless just as effective way, questions start to change. You start to look at different things. And that's the exciting thing about all of these new tools, including MPA that have come along that people can kind of, um, you know, because c- c- for me, the process that I would do before, you know, it would take half a day to sort of deal with an issue, which, by the way, was like super accelerated from all the previous stuff. But nonetheless, it's like it became that my life became very much focused around, you know, my, my life became a process rather, or the process became my life rather than life being a process itself. Whereas when you've got something like MPA or all the other amazing tools that are around now, um, Awakening can happen much faster. You can sort of just slip it into your day as a small part which then gets you to that space of presence or that space of relief or realization or whatever it's, it's required or healing in some cases. And, and then, you know, all that time becomes available for real life. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Things in the world, actually meeting, you know, meeting the world where it's and, and, and making a difference in a, in a different way. And I think that's a really important part of why these things are coming along in this way now. Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's, it's, that's awesome. Now the NPA is i don't want to, i mean I don't, we don't want to get too into it um but uh what you were talking earlier is like we think we're like we think we're the center of the universe and is, is and npa is just kind of saying you're not the center of the universe and like maybe the things that are that you are perceiving as hurting you aren't shouldn't be is that
2: well in um, way, well okay the, the, the copernicus thing or the Galileo. i'm not sure which one it was it's one of those philosophers sure. basically Every, the model of the of the, the Earth and the world was that the, the Earth was the centre of the universe and everything revolved around it. Um, and then they started studying the movement of the planets and they started to come to the conclusion that actually we weren't the centre. Now, this was a, a absolutely, it was total heresy. It uh, it absolutely, um, you know, it, it shook the foundations of the reality that the whole world lived in at the time. and um, And this is very much where we're at now. So in terms of the kind of, the I guess the awakening movement there are there are the, the ideas for example if you say, you know I create my own reality. I'm going to be a real heretic here, but here we go um, You know, well do you? <laughs> right <laughs> right. Um, do you really because because your conscious mind is absolutely Way down the chain of events and if you do any serious inquiry You're gonna lose yourself very quickly and get into something much bigger than the personal you so um, while you, you know you have to acknowledge that the all, all you have at a conscious level, even if your consciousness is dipping into the, you know, the unconscious or the unseen realms, whatever it is, your point of focus is your personal conscious self. Um, it kind of it is the last to know. So what we have then is shifting from a very um, sort of actually a very yang, a very masculine approach, which is, you know, I am responsible for the whole universe. And boy, is that a heavy weight on anyone's shoulders um two you know i am in much more of a yin space because we're coming much more into a yin yin sort of cycle really i think of where you know i am receiving um i am receiving the consequence of the totality i am receiving um you know the the outcome of of the whole and i am a pinpoint expression of that so how can i then in my personal world really honor that really really be present to it really allow um the, the best of all of it to be expressed the most fully through me So in one sense, you know MPA or non-personal awareness is is, is saying um, Can we come into a place of, of humility and know that we're kind of a, a tiny from a planetary perspective? We're a tiny rock around a little Sun in, a, in an impossibly a t- a Possible to understand huge universe on a personal level I'm a personal perspective um, having an incredibly miraculous experience But it's part of a much bigger energetic creation. And, and who am I in that? And what can I do with that? And, and let's see what's coming through me. So it kind of, it sort of turns things on its head slightly. But what I find people come to me when they really get that is a sense of, um, a sense of tremendous relief from the personal responsibility. A sense of, but, but it doesn't because what the argument is, is oh will I become this passive person who then just oh everything's just going to happen to me? Well, no. Actually, what I found is when you really come to that place, you become very empowered because all of those blocks and those things fall away, and you really are like, what's what's here now? Wow! <laughs>
1: right, right,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> it seems like like taking a non-personal approach would actually make life like almost like extremely personal. <laughs> like like I'm not not you if when you stop taking things personally, you're able to personally experience things i think just in a more know po- in, in a positive way and then it kind of becomes
2: like like really experiencing well you you've absolutely nailed it i often call it it's the paradox of, of non-personal yeah. fairness is you actually end up with a intensely personal experience of life and then and you've also pointed through to one of the, the big things i say people come along and they find this process most them come in it because they've got a problem and they want to go away, you know, like with health, or all the usual things that people come for, health, relationship, money, all, all those things. Um, but if they stay with the process, it tends to sort of bring alive in them this non-personal perspective. And the veils kind of fall away. You can find you can be very intimate with someone very quickly because you're not trying to be somebody. Because, you know, taking things personally or or, or those kind of things is about an identity. You know, you have an identity. This is who I am in a very solid way. Whereas if you realize that actually... You are, in a sense, what's coming through you. You start not giving a shit what anyone thinks about you because you don't take those opinions personally. And you start, you know, you start really honoring um, the wonderful, amazing, miraculous flexibility of the moment. One of my favorite quotes of all time is Gandhi, who said, you know, I've given up the need to be consistent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because he went, you know, fuck it, this is here now, you know. Right, yeah, you you
1: stop living... Like, this life you think you're supposed to live, and you just live life as it is. Yeah. Yeah, and when you're fighting life as it is, you don't really get to experience it, because you're so busy trying to make it this life that really culture has told us it's supposed
2: to be. Yeah, all of which are other people's opinions. Right. And they're, they're not necessarily you. So when you, like... It, it, taking something personally means what you're really saying underneath is that's me that is, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that's what you're saying, you know. So someone says you're an idiot and something you goes because maybe maybe it was from the past, maybe when you are a kid your dad told you an idiot you go there. But yeah, that's me that is. And when you take it personally, it kind of you sort of hold it in your energy and make it more solid than it needs to be. Whereas if you realise it's just an experience, it's passing through. I mean the last line in the process is and I am willing to experience it. You know, whatever you set up, I am willing to experience it. It means that you can become, you know, it's, it's an old chestnut, but it's a very good analogy for this. It's, it's like, you know, the old soft sea anemone that clings to a rock on the on the edge of the sea and gets pounded by the oceans. It's soft, it's open, it's flexible. The water just kind of goes through it because it's porous and it has a tremendous strength from that. So when the when the non-personal perspective wakes up in you, you really have that sense of, you know, OK, I can get thrashed by the rocks or, you know, um, but you know what it can all come through me I'm okay with that and it doesn't take it doesn't do this thing where you become this super positive person or life doesn't happen through you quite the opposite you can let the you know even the really crappy stuff it's not like it takes away life's crap because I don't think anything really does Right, that. right. <laughs> but,
3: but what you the can way do you is react get, to the crap.
2: Yeah the way you react to it and even if your reaction is I hate it I'm going to fight it some <laughs> part of you is going and I'm willing to even experience that. <laughs> right, right, right. And well, I like what you said. It's a
1: willingness to experience, and so, but that willingness is huge too. I think a lot of people, you know, they they can see what their potential is and what they're capable of. But uh, capable of, but that willingness to actually step into that life is like so. There's a lot of fear in people.
2: There, there is. I mean, I, I think look, I've had a lot of sort of the sort of people who get into kind of most religious space with positive thinking, and. Um, Uh, And then maybe they're working on something which is a in quotes a negative like anger anger is a great example because It's got terrible PR Um, (laughs) um, But but So uh, they have come to that line and I am willing to experience it I'm not I'm not because if I experience it then I'll manifest it in the future and oh my god (laughs) I'll bring down my positive vibes and I'm like well here's the truth, you know, if it's coming to you You're already experiencing it, right? it's there already, you, you know, it's already come in through your door, it has to go through your house and leave. The fighting it's just it. suppressing it. Oh, fighting, it's putting in a holding pattern, right. you know it's it's just whizzing around and, and you can be in denial with it but it's there in your energy, it's going to show itself and the more you say so it, it comes to the door, you know um, you know, to come and have a cup of tea and a slice of cake, knocks on the door, you let it in, um, and you know, then you bolt your doors <laughs> <laughs> Put the bars up. And thirty five <laughs> years later, this thing that came in for a cup of tea and a slice of cake is smashing your furniture to pieces, saying, I'm a prisoner in here. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I hate and, my dad. Oh, <laughs> it's like I'm I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. <laughs> where is this coming from? <laughs> yeah, you suppressed it all those years.
2: You just gotta open the doors. So that's all I <laughs> think all MCA does is open the doors. So it doesn't do anything else. Awareness, the divine wind, whatever you want to call that, just that that does the moving stuff. So if you have your doors open, you know the, the things that kind of you you really love and want to hang around with will stay of their own accord, you know. And and um and the things that you really don't resonate with, you know, they'll part anyway. Um, they'll they'll, they'll bugger off. <laughs> right, right, and that's what you need them to do. I want to yeah. I want to get kind of personal,
1: so um you can you can we can change the topic if you don't want to. But you mentioned your now ex divorce your now ex wife. Yeah. So did you was this did you have this process before you went through your di- divorce, or is this kind of created as, or maybe fine tuned as you went? How
2: I want to know like how this helped you as you divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that so was my second divorce. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean,
1: I want I want to talk about how like this helped you. Not I don't want to talk about your the nastiness of your divorce. I just want to like I want to know how this relates to going through that process because you now having like gone through something like that you actually have been able to put it your own words into action and kind of you know you're not just saying i think this works you've actually been able to do it that's that's kind of more of what i'm asking
2: well i can say because in that that case with that divorce it was (laughs) um it was it was definitely i think on the back of what happened with the the prayer so the prayer came through in 2007 um and i ended up splitting up with uh with my wife in 2009 but what happened very interestingly was it was it was really because i stepped fully into myself because i was using the process all of the all of the identities and the ideas of who i was i was you know i was, I was in that kind of very um kind of in quotes enlightened phase I, I was really i was doing satsangs lots of non-dual stuff and all of these kind of things all over the place um, but very much in the spiritual identity and they all started to fall and crumble away So I mean as, as a tarot, you know you, you, you start off as the fool and then you go through the whole journey and then you come to the end You're at the world and then what happens next? Back to the fool. The fool. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way with MPA coming through it was that crazy leap off the cliff into this you know this new thing but it meant that the things that that, that we had been together for that, that that she cherished in a sense was changing, and as it turned out in the end, um, it, it wasn't for her, or and, and what she wanted me to be wasn't for me. So right. it, was, it was long, it was ugly. There was loads of shit happened, but basically. <laughs> but, but I think that's. I think that's. Uh, I mean, I think
1: that's more the case than it's not. Is as as people, and what kind of makes it hard, and I think prevents people from moving forward, kind of into their own identity and spirituality, is that you do kind of become this different person. And usually the people around us don't like that. When I started um, graduate school, um, the the head of the writing department is Paul Selig, who's also a a, a big uh, name kind of in the spiritualist movement. And he said, a lot of you are going to end up getting divorced by the time this program's over as you mature into who you really are. And it, you know, it was true. I did too. I ended up getting divorced right after I finished graduate school. So, it, it, you it, it kind of especially when you get married young you just you do you grow and and i don't know it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to come through to go through to think that you're yeah, gonna I think... lose those relationships because you because that other person liked you broken you know
2: <laughs> yeah no i think i think you're right i think it's, it's one of those things that you know you, you see a lot in this in this time you know i think we do we do several lives in a life now it seems to me and um uh, and so th- I think my story early on was that you know I need someone who's going to grow with me but the, the truth is that the person I was with them was also a very, very much a growth seeking person. Just at that time um, where she was growing and where I were growing was, was very different. So sometimes it's that, that, that you accelerate and, and and the stretch or the gap becomes too great and it snaps and sometimes it's that you just literally grow in different directions. So, um, and you never quite know, but I think one of the blessings, I mean, I always feel so blessed that, you know, uh, something was put inside me that I was able, to, you know, had that kind of um, longing to, to grow in this person that I seem to be. Um, but part of the deal is, is that, you know, things are going to change who I am now or who I experienced myself to be today. Um, it's very different from a year ago. I, I had a six, six year relationship, which also came to an end at the end of last year. Um, and I knew in that particular case that, um, that I was, I had the brakes on to make, to stay in the relationship and it became unsustainable. And so coming out of that, it was like, you know, letting go of the, the back end of a catapult. <laughs> you know, boom! It was like 2016. I mean, it has been for many people. That's part, again, part of the bigger collective, but. Um, it was massive, but I think that's 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 one of the things that you, you if you can come at the whole idea that um, of growth and relationship and and kind of trust that there's always going to be the right reflection at the right time, and if you're someone who's a growth seeking being, and I'm, uh, people who listen to to this podcast and follow you, Mark. Uh, I can pretty much ninety nine percent guarantee they're going to be that <laughs> right right um, you know then then the, the fact is that there's a part of you that knows that there's a part of you that wants that there's a part of you that appreciates the, the the new reflections that come along and there are and people within who are growth seeking and all the rest of it they have very stable long lifetime relationships too and it's right. always yeah. worth it. that's there right and that and that takes a little bit of luck
1: too and it's like I, I came through a a shitty divorce. Thinking that was the end of life, and now I'm. It was like I'm with the person that I'll. I can't even believe the way we match, you know. So like I know, like so that's I, I don't. I don't know. I'm 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 not a big ad. I probably should just shut up before I tell people <laughs> to get divorced. But <laughs> if you're not happy, but but I, I don't know. I guess I guess well, I, re- I guess I really really wanted to to get out of this more than than talking about how talking about our divorces is, is uh is, is just how this the process helped you get through it
2: well i mean definitely one of the things is that as um... because you've gotten through it, it,
1: it i mean i can tell by your voice you've made it through it so it so like it's it's clearly a a, a, a technology that you have been able to put in play in your life like you, yeah. you are you are your biggest example of its success of it being successful
2: well thank you <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, a long way to get yeah. to that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, think, let me give you let me give you a contrast, because I've got the, that particular divorce and which was right at the beginning of MPA when I was really, really sort of at the beginning of it and learning about its capabilities. And then I've got the recent uh, breakup of a six year relationship, um, which was um, which is, again, sort of nine or time nine years into it. So the first one, it was really a massive learning about how taking things personally relates to identity. And breaking down and becoming who I was. Yes, it really helped with all of the emotional stuff. But I think the biggest thing that I take away in terms of the experience of that particular, the first divorce there, um, was that for the first time, rather than going through the experience, um, with my, because at that time I'd been doing 15 years of teaching personal growth and the rest of it, going through my, how can I apply the process to this to make it, um, to make it okay or to deal with the underlying emotional issues or the rest of it? Something in me said, what if you just let it all come flying through? And I literally gave myself permission to let all those parts of me that were a victim or an asshole were, um, you know, were in lot of pain, all the rest of it. I didn't touch it. I literally and and that I know was because I had that non-personal perspective. This is coming through me. Now, obviously, within that, there were process times, but I wasn't doing that thing where you say, how can I? Expediate or fix the process Of the pure pain of this um, By by Fitting it into some sort of Therapeutic, spiritual um, You know That kind of box Because that's where you start to use the tools Or the, the medicine as a poison And I didn't do that And I attribute that directly to the To the non-personal philosophy If you like You just have to feel pain because it just sucks You know, <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it there's no way out.
1: There's no way around it. You just have to
2: feel it. It sucks. I write I about this times in life because people forget. You know, if you're going to the night of the soul, there's not there's not a modality or a technology on the planets that's going to help you because yeah. the whole thing is uh, nothing you do is going to help this. It's all about the pain. You were in love with somebody and now you're not together. It sucks. It hurts. Of yeah. course it hurts. Like it's not strange that it hurts. And, yeah, and that first one was uh, my identity was very tied up in that relationship. It was a kind of in in our. In our world, so it was say, also mourning how, the loss of identity— who you thought you were. Absolutely, yeah. you know, and and who I was to be able to have that woman, and that there's no one else. And all those kind of things were very much there in that particular one. Now, now the more recent one was a very different experience because um, it was more that the growing apart and and and, and my own growth. I just realised they were things that mattered to me, things that I wanted. And I would encourage anyone who's in that situation with a potentially not fulfilling relationship is to get that question drilled into your brain. What do I want? <laughs> get really clear on what you want and then open to the universe how it shows up. So anyway, so we split up. And on this occasion, I used MPN's other mode, which is almost like the reverse, where... Um, Yes, there was there wasn't the, the the strength of feeling I would say that there was in the previous relationship in the marriage, but nonetheless any six year relationship is is very significant. Um, and what I did is I used MPA to really to really look at all those things as they come out, and I found they moved through very quickly. So what I ended up being an example of, because as you, as you just kind of said, is when you're the custodian of something, you sort of the example of it was how possible it is to go through that process in an incredibly quick and relatively painless time. So I came out the back of that relationship, and within a month, I was clear. I was I was, I was crystal clear. And what was very interesting about that is because then I put things on social media, and I had people coming to me saying, you shouldn't be that happy. Yeah, really? yeah. You, then you kind of appear cold. Yeah. like you've let it go exactly so quickly. Cold and you're you know you know you're and it's bad form. and i'm like well you know she's she's blocked me i blocked her that's why we do that If you're showing it with her then you're the shit not me you know <laughs> 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 yeah but, but, but it's like but I, I wrote this whole blog on you know never apologize for using the tools that you've got especially if they work
1: right yeah it's like put, why would you put your pain on someone else's timeline
2: exactly exactly so so i've had that experience of, of of the the speed with which you can and i do nowadays i, I process things pretty pretty swiftly and there's always occasional curveball but uh <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> there yeah, always
2: is ge- general um you know because also that kind of non-personal perspective is is very alive in me it's kind of it's there kind of things come and go oh, not personal not there's like a mantra that's just automatically unconsciously there um, the things tend to roll off for the most part. But, do you uh, feel like when you're around other people that don't quite understand, like when you're just
1: around other mere mortals, <laughs> Joel, do you find like that the way you process things versus the way you process things that you're having to almost like pull yourself back because it's like, you want to just be like, no, this is what's happening. Like it's not, not a big deal. <laughs> and yet you know that they're not seeing it that way. So it's finding a way to, I guess it's finding the language that they can understand that
2: there is a way there is. I think, um, again, I see it. If if you look at the sort of the the general path of awakening, I think everyone has an evangelical stage. Um, they get into something. It's not just, just awakening. It's like you're getting something new, you become evangelical. Um, and I I think for me, I have a sort of a, a background mantra, which is, is it kind? Is it useful? Um, so, to me, sometimes it becomes a matter of discernment, because oftentimes you want to sort of be heard or or to, to share our wonderful perspectives. But it's, it's more about being heard than it is actually about sharing something of use or that is kind to someone. Right. And if you could step back and not take that so personally, then there's a good chance you can actually discern in the wider energy this person Doesn't want to, doesn't need to, and just isn't open to hearing that perspective. So how can I be with them? What's the energy that's really here? So I don't, I don't feel so much like it's, it's raining back on myself, but more stepping into that greater self that's beyond me, um, and into a space where I can meet them where they are. And then it's a bit like fishing, you know, you, you you know, because I'm me, you know, my line's out, the float's in the water. (laughs) If there's a bite <laughs> Yeah right, a nibble. <laughs> if there's a nibble or a bite then I can try to catch the fish. But, but if there isn't, then I'm not you know, I'm not gonna go diving in the water right, and trying right. kind of to the canal to find the fish and all that stuff, which is way hard work and not very kind to them anyway.
1: Right, right, and do more damage than good. Well, right on. This is you know, um, I always I keep going over with these things. We're gonna have you're gonna have to come come on again so we can just talk about uh, just what's going on in our lives because... The time goes by so quickly.
2: Wow! Yeah, it's zoomed by. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Let's look at the time. How did we do that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, this was cool. This was awesome. I can't believe, like I said, I can't believe we hadn't uh, talked before. We've uh, been Instagram friends for so long, and
2: yeah, we well, got to hang out mom
1: Yeah, we definitely do. We definitely do. So what else? So so, how can people find you? How do we? Uh, how do we find?
2: So the the easiest way to find me is uh, with Joel Young MPA. You can stick a. Dot com on the end and you get to where, my website. you can go to Instagram to uh, Twitter and to Facebook with that and you'll find me. We've got a Facebook page called MPA rocks, which was set up um, by a, an actual fan when they were actual fan pages <laughs> <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> so, there, so it's MPA rocks um, so, so you can find me on, on those usual platforms. And you can get hold of um, there's a if you want to get hold of the process you can do that from that website with the joeljohnmpa.com. There's a free exercise. I start with you know if, if there's someone specific who's being crap to you and you're taking it personally, then it goes through how to work in that situation. And then if if you're if you're up for sort of going down the rabbit hole, then there's there's an offer on the back of that freebie that you can you can take up and do some do some training. Um, and, and, but that's, that's the way to find me. Go have a look, investigate. I've, I've been, I've been,
1: uh, going through the, your website rabbit hole this week. So it's been fun. Last, but certainly not least, it's time to talk to Angie Williams. Angie and I go back a little ways. We've had several conversations about travel, uh, about life, about everything. I just think she's one of the coolest people ever. Uh, She's always traveling somewhere, and I am always following along vicariously through her Instagram page. So check her out. It's Travel Girl. That's travel, the word travel, and then G-R-R-R-L. So travel G-3-R's L, Travel Girl. She's going to talk to us about how even bad trips can produce good stories. And you also you have to reclaim the places that felt like maybe they had bad juju the first time you went there. So Angie, bring us home you had a bad trip
6: um, well you know I've, I've had more than one <laughs> I've had more than one but um, it's, it's sort of interesting I had dated this guy in um, in Barcelona I'd, I'd met a, a um, an Argentine guy and I we dated casually for you know over a year and um, one of my girlfriends from my neighborhood lived in Um, Buenos Aires. So the fact that I was going to go there was kind of inevitable, you know.
1: before, Before we get into this too much, like, what's like, you just travel, like that's what you do, like that's been your life. I don't like what, like, like you're talking about being in all these places, like that's just your life, like you're always somewhere.
6: Well, you know, I am an academic, and I have a steady job, and I'm very much. Los Angeles based. Um, but for, you know, most of my adult life, once I started traveling, I started arranging my life so that I could travel, you know, so that, and some of my trips are really short, you know, a lot of people don't want to mess with that. A lot of people don't want to mess with like a long weekend that entails a lot of flying and. Um, so, you know, a lot of people think like either a, they hate their lives and they have this escapist fantasy where everything is at least three or four weeks, which is like, who has that kind of time all the time? Right. Or that kind of money, because that's going to be an expensive trip.
1: Yeah. You'll just pick up and just go with your kids all of a sudden, like without a whole lot of planning, right?
6: Um, well, sometimes I take them. You know, um, I I wouldn't say like a whole lot of planning, but um, you know, I mean now they're they're very seasoned also.
1: Yeah, very that's seasoned. cool. I always see these pictures, and it's like, man, that's cool. Okay, so so you you travel. So now let's get back to the story. Sorry, I just wanted to like put it in context where like you you travel a lot. I mean, you might not I, think so, but to me, you yeah. travel a lot.
6: <laughs> I travel a lot, and the other part is while I'm while I'm there, Mark, I just should say. One thing that I really don't talk about, um, but is kind of a big deal. Oh my god, my cat's freaking out. Um, <laughs> how, um, is, I do a lot of um, a lot of travel philanthropy, and and it's kind of a big deal. Um,
1: so, so you try to everywhere you go, you try to do um, you plan in some kind of service or. Um,
6: yeah, for sure, because that's a really easy way to pay it forward, even if it's just a small gesture. Um, but yeah, especially if you're traveling to third world countries and you are filtering your money through corporations, these people, you're not really improving the quality of their life. And anything that you do that directly impacts them, however small, you know, is um, is really good juju.
1: Yeah, no, that's huge. That's, that's, a, that's important because I think a lot of people – you you don't think of the impact on the native communities when you're kind of just traveling for fun.
6: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Gotcha. So sorry, sorry to just dis- to distract, but you were you were you were you were seeing this guy.
6: I you know I had seen this guy, um, and it. It, uh, had run its course and cause basically you get to a point where you're either going to get really serious or you're not, you know, especially if you're dealing with a lot of distance mm-hmm. and we weren't, you know, um, and then it was kind of funny, um, that he started dating this french girl who tried to friend me on facebook and i was like i have no interest in friending this girl and that was that then i got unfriended right so it was like the the uh, social media politics yeah
3: yeah
6: (laughs) i have no interest in seeing your stuff so um but anyway i went to buenos aires and it was kind of a big deal because you know, I was reclaiming it and um, actually claiming it. Like, I didn't want to not be able to go somewhere that some guy I dated was from that I'd never even been with him or anything. But I'm really big on that. I'm really big on, like, if there's a place you don't want to go, you have to go there. Right. Like, if a place that, like, you went with your ex and you're like, oh, I hope I never go back, then you'd best go.
1: The cat agrees.
6: Categories, poor thing. So, anyway, um, so I I went down to this trip, and it was kind of funny because um, this guy, we'll call him, we'll call him El Demonio.
3: Okay. Um,
6: <laughs> actually, it actually was a nickname. Um, anyway, he made me these custom. He made me this custom backpack. Like he worked, and there were these very slim backpacks and I bought one and then I he gave me one and he had one was custom made and they're like really good travel sacks because they have an inner pocket and they're not big and bulky and I remember you know going on this trip and and getting down to um, Buenos Aires and my girlfriend I was going out and that Foo Fighters were playing it was like basically Lollapalooza. Right. And my girlfriend had said, Yeah, you know, listen, um, if if my place, I'm doing some work, if it's not ready, you can stay with my ex. And I was thinking, Oh God. Right. And I know <laughs> she, what what? What? She's like, No, don't worry, don't worry. So, you know, I get to Buenos Aires. The the um, even like in the airport there was drama. I get there, I I get the taxi driver scams me. And I didn't catch it until I I uh, got to her place, you know. So like the taxi driver scammed me, and it's, and that's just like the worst thing because it's it, even if it's like twenty bucks, you just want to kill somebody right. because it's like, oh, how did this happen? You, need <laughs> and, you know. So mm-hmm. I got there, got scammed by the taxi driver, and I just had this feeling, this like cloud, like, oh shit, this is really. Like this is not good, you know?
3: Right.
6: And um I I went, um, so I get there, I her um her husband was uh, her ex husband. I had asked the universe, you know, like send me David Grohl, because I was kind <laughs> of about like what happens when you, you, know, use your superpowers. Right. So I get there and she goes she goes like, oh, well, you're going to go stay with him, which he was totally cool with. And um, I go over there and he goes, oh, you know, I haven't really been working. He's a cinematographer. He goes, I haven't really been working, but I just got this job. He was hired by – go for it, Mark.
1: I I don't know. Uh,
6: the Foo Fighters. F-
1: oh, okay. I was going to say David Grohl, but I didn't want to sound stupid. So
6: <laughs> no, I hired, hired to tour South America with the Foo Fighters. And I go, you know, I I totally, this is for me, right? Because I'm the one who said, send me David Grohl and now I'm staying with you, right?
1: Right. Anyway.
6: So, because he was working. He owes that was, you. He like, owes you. He totally does, right? He goes, <laughs> you know, I don't know, right? So, I he was working and I was not going to push on, like, somebody's job or anything. Anyway, get to the show and I got, like, there was, like, a... a a uh, slew of people like first of all those pits are manic I've never seen anything like them I got robbed this guy took a razor blade to my my you know ex-boyfriend gifted backpack stole my iPhone stole my iPod you know and I've actually
1: seen those concerts like on YouTube those there's crazy down there
6: You've never seen, it's, it's insane. I actually had to get pulled out of the pit and I was like, you know, I really didn't think that I was that old, but all of a sudden <laughs> I'm, feeling, I'm feeling really, really old, Oh, you know?
1: that's the worst realization.
6: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I got robbed. I, you know, I got mugged and turns out that they stole over 2000 phones, um, that show cause it's a thing.
3: Yeah and wow.
6: i like just you know remember walking this long freaking distance back to my friend's place and you know not even like having money for for a taxi and it was a stadium anyway
1: were you there by yourself or were you there with some somebody
6: i went well my friend who i was staying with was actually working the show okay. um but he had to get there really early. Turns out by the time I got there, he was already like home in bed. That's how long it took me to get home. And I didn't have a phone because wait for it. It was stolen. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
3: This
6: is fun. Um, And it was also really funny because the next morning he printed out this email Saying like where the Foo Fighters were staying and what time they were loading. So it was like where Dave Grohl was going to be at what time. And he was, it was very funny because he'd cross certain things off. So it was sort of like, if you want it, here it is. But right. I was like, I went and had coffee with my friend. But um, the thing was, you so know. So David
1: Grohl never manifested himself to you?
6: Well, he did. He, he, I had where he was going to be at what time, you know? But you didn't,
1: be, you didn't go though.
6: No, because I was like, yeah, I mean, that was close enough.
1: That was good. All right. You, you knew. You, you saw the power at play. That's all you needed to see.
6: I only had coffee with my friend that I hadn't hung out with in a while. But um, mostly, you know, Mark, I really couldn't wait to get out of that situation and, you know, and leave and like have to like throw this backpack away and, um, Sometimes you just – you feel it. You feel this heavy cloud that like as long as you're somewhere, you're just going to keep like getting – I don't know. It's going to keep pelting you. Right. And I think a lot of people are afraid to travel for that reason because you're not in control and you know it. And if you arrive somewhere and you feel it, then it's it's kind of, you know,
1: got that vibe. But did that uh, trip turn out in the end okay? Or was the whole uh, – was it just – kind of that cloud there until you went home
6: um i went to santiago after that and i went and found a bruja and i was like listen <laughs> <you> <laughs> step off me." and i was actually part of it was like i had some obsessive uh <clears throat> energy at home some uh <clears throat> you know some 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 uh pretty intense um people that I was trying not to see anymore. Uh, are you feeling me?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling you.
6: So, so I had I had, I had, had like an X resurface and I had like a handyman that was getting like out of control and and I was just like – So you Listen. had shit
1: to come home to too on top of the stuff that was going on there.
6: <laughs> I think a part of it was that it was like more me than even the space, you know, because you kind of drag your dark or you drag your sunshine too. You know, you're not going to get away from your right, stuff. Right, right. Um, anyway, I was I just told her to kind of get rid of them and it, and poof, like 20 bucks later, it was gone.
1: <laughs> nice. That's nice. If you could only get that here, huh?
6: I, I think we can. Right? We pull up this, I have this guy. He's like this Papa Hobo guy. <laughs> and good. You know, if you got bad juju, you could be like, can you please pull three cards for me and just –
1: lie to me and say <laughs> well, there's no lying it's all 100 percent true it's
6: gonna be all right and it's, it's always all... you're,
1: you're always gonna be all right it is true right? <laughs> I mean look I mean even even that shitty trip turned out to to be something but you've said you've had a, a few bad trips you just keep you still keep going out there
6: well, you know, I think the key, number one, I went back to Buenos Aires and I really enjoyed it another time. And I thought that I was going to break up with that city forever and ever. Like, I hate this place. Um turns well, out cool that
1: you went back, though. You gave it another chance.
6: You you have to, you know. Um, I told you, wherever it is that you don't want to go, you better go. Um, and the other thing, Mark, is that, like, all the even bad trips make good stories.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because it's like, what if everything would have gone great? Like, like you had your you g- had your phone stolen at a Foo Fighters show. Like, that's cooler than having not having it stolen.
6: Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. I want to be like you know, and I I switched from Apple to you know Android, and that was happy. And John. <laughs> See, think about it. I couldn't film the show. I couldn't take photos because I had to be there because they stole my phone. And, like, MGMT played, and they were the worst band I have ever seen. Even (laughs) that story, they were awful. They got booed. Oh, no. Um, You know, Joan Jett came out and did Bad Reputation with the Foo Fighters, and that's one of, like, the best rock and roll moments I've ever seen. And, obviously, even in the worst, there's some really epic experiences to be had you can just focus on you know the 20 bucks that somebody stole from you or your phone that got ripped off so or you one. know
1: you knew that phone was stolen by then right you weren't freaking out thinking about your phone you just went into the moment like that's
6: well you know i figured it out because these guys were pushing like in the pit they were making it worse and there was a like kind of a bunch of them as all these bands are like band of horses played and MGMT played and, you know, Joan Jed had played and this guy was kind of like, like touching me and touching my backpack and I had grabbed it and gotten it toward me. And then later when I went to get ready to take a photo, i had seen like I pulled my bag in front of me, which is why he didn't take everything Um, but he had been slicing my, my bag open. And, uh, you know, once that happened, it really did kill my spirit. I moved further back because I was like, I didn't have any fight left in me. Right. But what, you know, it's like, I'm not going to go to a Foo Fighters show and not see the Foo Fighters.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, you're still able to, I mean, I'm sure your spirits were damp, but but yeah, then you, I mean, you still have to witness that moment, (laughs) you know, like that's cool. That's such a cool story.
6: And you got to, you know, Mark, stuff that it's a bummer. You know, it's a bummer to lose your phone. It's no fun, and it's scary when you're you're away and you can't, like, connect to Wi-Fi or get to people. But there's also a beauty there, too. You know what I mean? As long as you can connect to people, even if you say, hey, my phone's gone, and I'll see you in a couple of days or whatever, and I'm okay.
1: Well, just think, you're- like, prior to 10, 15 years ago, that was life. <laughs> you know?
6: Right. But- Right, you didn't you didn't have like constant contact, so you know I actually um, turn off my phone when I when I travel. I don't I don't take international service anymore, and so if I have Wi-Fi, it's cool. But I you know it is kind of beautiful to be where you are and not try to be everywhere else.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I think you we've talked before. I told you I, I think of my my fear of South America and. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you travel around the world by yourself. <laughs> I am i just know that I'm going to be on a bus somewhere and and, and armed men are going to come in and take me hostage. No one's going to pay the ransom and I'm going to die in a prison in Guatemala or something. Like <laughs> That's my big fear. And you don't care. Yeah. You don't think about that you, stuff.
6: You will manifest something so bad. I will say this. Also, epically life changing. I was in um, I was in a really bad wreck. I was um, like uh, nine and a half years ago. I was driving down my street, and a cargo van working for the city guy spilled a coke, and he leaned over to clean it, and he veered into my lane. He hit me head on, oh, and he pushed me back twenty five feet. So, I was in a Volvo. You know, thank God, and the. The closest I've come to death was with a sober city of L.A. driver oh, <laughs> who hit me on my very own street. So, you know, like for people who worry about travel, it's just wasted energy.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I like to travel, but I have a fear. Of, like you said, that's where I'm going to have to go to to, uh, to get over it.
6: Exactly. That's where you got to go. You got to go where you're, you know, if it's Guatemala, dude, be, be looking for the cheap next sail flight.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I got to do that more.
2: When my rambling days are over and my gambling days are through, when my rambling days are over and my gambling days are through, If you tell me that you love me, I'll be coming back to you.